Yo, what's up? It's Alden Smith here, here with Real Life Street Stars. They just had me on. I really appreciate them. They did an amazing job. Hey, come check these guys out. Hey, we all got some hot stuff we're working on. Now everybody better have, have talk to me than Real Life Street Stars. Stay tuned. Street stars, everybody start clapping right now. Got a legend in the building, Alden Smith. What it is, brother? What's up? What's up, man? Man, say, man, we just glad that you took some time out today to come talk to us, man. What's been going on with you? A little bit of this and a little bit of that. <laughs> man, hey, we not finna downplay who we got in the building, man. As a sports fan, man, I watched you do niggas bad on that field now. <laughs> Man, you got we got to get the backstory though, man. You, Alden Smith, take us take us back to when you were playing football or you had the love for football and you realized that damn, I'm really good at this shit. Man, when I found out, like I thought I was good, probably not until I was about to go to the pros, like training for the combine. Really took that. Yeah. What was you doing before? Was you like hooping too? Or no, you just... I mean when I thought I was good, right? Okay, like, gotcha. you know what I mean. Like when I thought I was good is when I went against the dudes who was the best in the country from the the big schools, the big name schools, and we get in the same facility, and I'm I'm out, you know, out working them. Yeah. So that's when I was like, oh, okay. He's like, oh, well, I'm I'm like that. I got some. So what? What? Uh, you know, a lot of people when they growing up, they don't actually stick with the same position. It says you were playing tight end. What were you playing when you were in high school? Let me give you like a little bit of snapshot of my high school football team. This is no, this yeah. is the truth. Yeah. Like we were, we were one in nine. And so I really could have played any position. You know what I mean? It was just, <laughs> I can't throw the ball in, catch the ball. So. That, nigga, that nigga, that bitch life. Like, like, I do everything. You, know, you was like the one cold nigga that everybody I'm, else was trying. I'm, I'm trying to do everything, you know? And so I played, I played tight end. Um, that's why I had 85. I was a big <laughs> Chad Johnson fan, man. So oh, yeah, 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 85 yeah. is for uh, Chad Johnson. Yeah. That's crazy. So, all right. So, so you playing tight end, and then is that what you get drafted for? Or uh no, so I played tight end <laughs> in high school. So I play, I started playing like organized ball like when I was a junior in high school. And um I st- I was playing tight end on offense and then defensive end. And so I ended up going to college to play defensive end, and um I stuck with that. When I got drafted to San Francisco is when I started playing outside linebacker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So. Yeah, that's crazy, man. So I want you to take us through, like, for you, as somebody who actually turned pro, what is the work that it takes, you know, from going to college? Like, how much work do you have to put in to go pro? Is it one of those things where you already know? Is it one of those things where you don't know and you're just grinding it out? Like, from your uh, vantage point, how did you know, man, I'm going to make it to the actual NFL? Like, work-wise, I think, I think for most athletes, like, especially the gifted ones, like, it's not work. You know, like, it's just what you do. And so, and like, once you're in it, like, that's just what you do. You know, if it's working out, if it's getting up early, if it's taking, you know, extra classes or whatever it takes, you got a goal in mind. So it's never in my for me, at least it was never like work. You know, it's like I, I got to do this. Damn. <laughs> All right. So so take us through the NFL draft day. 
Um, <laughs> you know, like we see some of the funny videos, CD Lamb snatching the phone out of his girlfriend's hand, you know, things like that. Like for you, what, what was draft day like? I'm going to take you to like us getting in New York and us is me and my, my roommates from college at the time who was like my, my guys. And so we get to New York. I'm lying saying like, you know, I've been to New York before. I ain't never been to New York like ever, but we get there and we on some tourist type, you know, t- tourist type shit. And man, we was, we was having a blast. And so like draft night finally comes and I'm there in New York. And uh, a lot of the guys I was training with, you know, I wasn't sure where I was going to get drafted at because of how my uh, combine went. I didn't perform like I wanted to perform. And so I definitely wasn't expecting to go where I ended up. So like, you know, the first couple of rounds, I'm kind of like walking, like walking around and making sure everybody else. All right. Just cause I'm just there, you know, I'm this whole thing. I'm just there. I was never expecting to even be in the NFL. So I'm just there. So, you know, they call my name. I get the phone call. I answer the phone. I go on the stage. Next thing I know, I'm in a, I'm on a jet to California. Man, explain the like the feeling like to like you're going to California like and expecting not to even be drafted at all. You're kind of just kicking it and enjoying the experience. And now you're headed to California. What was that like? And what how did that family dynamic change after that when all the friends and the family start hearing the news? So um, the friends and the family. So that when I got to college. Um, I was the first person in my family to play like division one sports like that. So I got my family from, from, you know, we all mostly from the South, you know, so we got all of them coming up to the games and it was all love. Um, and so that started then cause I was doing my thing in college from the first time I stepped on the field. And so it picked up, um, you know, once I got to the league, it was the same type of thing, but like me, you know, I went from Missouri to California. And, you know, I was like, you know, shit. What, what was the culture shock? What was one of the, like, the biggest culture shocks for you? From going from the Midwest to the West? Don't say uh, the white woman. But, but. Um, I say, man, like, I lived in San Jose, and it was, a, it was just, a, it wasn't a lot of black people. Everything was, um, everything was just bigger. I mean, and I guess um, overall, I mean, it was the, the weather was was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was it was an upgrade. I mean, it wasn't nothing negative. So I can't right. be like, you know, it was just an upgrade. And the conversation has always been as far as who's in your life to you know push you to the level of getting to college to the NFL level. Uh, did you have a single parent home where you both parents in your life? At the, like, what so was your gro- situation growing up? Like. Um, my parents were together up until I was like in fifth grade, fourth or fifth grade, and they separated and my dad moved out of state. And so I live with my mom primarily. So your mother pushed football on you? No. So my mom always made sure I was active. My mom always made sure we were involved. It was me and my sister. And then um, she always just made we were, made sure we were involved in stuff, you know, Boys and Girls Club, YMCA, Taekwondo. Like not, not out in the streets doing whatever, just, just doing something. Doing something active. positive and just trying to stay active. And so um, it wasn't like football was pushed on me by, by anybody. And we're going to California telling me just as far as just uh, college life and, you know, uh, for those that don't get to know what it feels like to get, uh, you had a full ride, right? Um, yeah to have the full ride, to be able to, you know, perform on a collegiate level. Um, just tell us as far as if you could sum it up, what that feeling is like to be able to perform 
do your job, do exactly what they they got you there for to do and excel at, at that level? For me, it's always been like, I just wanted to be a part of a team, you know, be a part of like that family, that family feel. And like, that's even the reason I committed to Missouri because taking a bunch of different college visits, you know, you get different feels, you got different vibes. And like me at the time, I needed like that feel of like family and like I'm a part of something bigger. And so um, when I got to Mizzou, I had that. And um, that's, that was that was special. When you see like what, uh, you know, primetime is doing for for black athletes in college. Right. You see him, you know, tackle the HBCU. Now he's in Colorado. He's getting recruits. If you were a player, what what attracts you from the draft perspective? Like when they're trying to recruit you, is it the big name like a primetime? Is it the coach? What is what is the thing that pushed you to Missouri? Like I was saying, <laughs> the, um, I was about to tell you the other answer, but I'm like, yeah. I'm gonna tell you the truth. So I went on yeah. a college visit, and um, <laughs> the star, the star, uh, the star player, he had a party, and um, oh, <laughs> and at this party, um, obviously a lot of people and everything going on, but there was this girl there, and um, at the time I had like a, a little crush on Alicia Keys, and the girl looked like Alicia Keys, and so. I'm at high school, I'm talking to her and I'm thinking like, you know, we're going to do all this. I'm making plans. I didn't even talk to the girl. I never said nothing to her, um, but <laughs> I ended up saying something to her. And long story short, that played a role, um, like little role, but like in all seriousness, like it was a, it was, it was, I was just doing what was next, man. Like I never expected to be in that position. So, you know, I, I was just in Kansas city for two years. Now I'm now I got scholarships like I, I didn't have no plan of like, I'm gonna do this and then do that. Like it was like survive and then figure out the next thing. Right. In hindsight, was there another school possibly that you would have wanted to go to that just in hindsight, you might have wished you would have. Uh. Um, yeah, I mean, I wanted to go to Miami, you know, yeah. or USC yeah. or something like that. Um, and actually, uh, I remember watching Texas when Texas played uh, SC and Vince Young did that. Yeah, that play, man. Was that the best college game down to the line that you've seen at the time? Man, that was honestly one of the best football games football, I've ever seen. Football games in general. That was like, that was wild. So, you know, it really sounds like, you know, you said you didn't really have a plan. Does that make you play different when you don't know what's coming next? Like, do you play with more, like, because you sound like you want survival mode, kind of. Yeah, man. So... Cause it sounded like you, I'm playing like my life is on the line and every yeah, day. Well, yeah, it was, it was, I had to prove myself, man. I always had this chip on my shoulder. I always, I didn't have like an older brother. I didn't have no cousins. Like we, when we lived in Iowa growing up and like during my time, like my time, <laughs> like when I was younger, we had a, a big migration of people from Chicago. So all them projects that they all moved to Cedar Rapids, like in Iowa. And so you had that huge culture shock right then. And so what I'm trying to get at is like, it was just me and my sister, my little sister, she's three years younger than me. We ain't have no cousins. So there wasn't no backup if there was altercation, you know what I mean? Right. And so as far as like, I hella forgot the question. <laughs> no, nah, I mean like you just being in survival mode as far as, you know, whenever you played your games, like either. Oh, it was back to me. Like I'm trying to prove myself, man, right. because like, I'm hanging around with older kids and I'm hanging around with, I don't have no family. So I got to prove who I am. That way I can get my respect. So anytime I stepped on the field, I was usually the youngest on the team. And so with that, you know, like people already don't think I should be there. And so I'm just trying to make sure I do my job. Amen. Now you get, you're in the NFL, you get to San Francisco, 
you're playing with people who is at the highest level of this game that's being played. Tell us about your first your experience of your first game. Man, I'm gonna tell you about like my experience getting on the team. Um, and 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 mm. like I I um when I got drafted, it was a lockout, and so I ended up that's working crazy. out with the guys on a um we were at San Jose State, and so uh, it was a guy named Justin Smith, and so Justin went to Mizzou. And then he played for the Niners. And so that was kind of like my contact when I went out to California. And man, it was just, it was work, man. And so once training camp got around, like it was, I was blessed to be in that situation because them dudes were the real deal. Like it wasn't no, like we work hard and then we practice hard. And so that, that was like built into me and um, going into my first game, I really didn't play that much. I didn't play that much until like week six or seven. Mm. And that's when I got my first sack. So let's, um, hold on, let's, let's, let's we're going to get back to that sack on the first game, but I want to take it back a second. Um, NFL Combine, how was you, uh, your mental going into that? Um, how did you perform? Uh, what were the recruiters saying? Well, like when you know, you hear, you have an ear to what they're saying. Yeah. What were you, how was that in situation as far as going into that weekend? So I was hella nervous, man. Like I was overweight. I think I weighed in like 280 something and I was like 260 something, you know, before that. All my scores they're, they're were reporting off. that like he's a, yeah, he's, like he's, I was brought I came into the combine which is I guess 4 months from the time we actually performed. I was broad jumping like 106. My broad jump was like not it was it, none of my scores were good. You know, my 40 time was bad, everything was bad and so not only was I younger coming in, you know, like I also was coming off of an injury in college. And so there was just so many things in my mind, you know, that I'm like, you know, I don't know how this is going to work. How was the performance overall, though, that you when you actually competed and then you start hearing story, you start hearing the rumors of how he did. And, you know, the reporters are saying, how were you? How was your confidence level after the combine? Not not that good. You know, um, it wasn't like I say, I didn't think I performed that well. I thought I was going to go like late first round, um, something like that, like 28th or, or 21st or something like that. But I didn't have I didn't think I was going top 10. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Because I mean, that that rookie year, you got defensive player of the year, right? Um, yeah. And they say, but you got thirty-seven tackles. For, I mean, you, you did fourteen sacks, almost almost set a record. So how do you go from <laughs> watch the watch the film? I, I got I got fifteen sacks my rookie year. Oh, they but, they, they slided you, bro. Yeah, they got me a little bit. That's crazy. Yeah. So how do you go from you know coming in being nervous to all of a sudden figuring it out? Like, what was the switch that clicked for you? Shit, I was nervous the whole time. Oh, shit. <laughs> you <laughs> you know beat niggas mean? down nervous? Yeah, I mean, I, I, hell, I'm nervous right now. You know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm able, I learned how to hide it. I learned how to, I learned how to use it for, to my advantage. You know what I mean? It's like when I go in that locker room, you know, it's a whole different story. You know what I mean? Not like when I'm driving to the stadium, I'm probably nervous. But when I get in the locker room, it's lit. So, um, and remind us for those that don't know, what place did you come in on draft uh, in draft day? What, what at what uh, level were you drafted? I was first round number seven pick. First round number seven pick. Um, uh, did you f- did you plan on going to another team, or did you was were you hoping to go to a separate team that you got picked for? Um, I thought I was either going to Houston or uh, Tampa. Mm. Are you were you were you satisfied? <laughs> With the with the 49ers. Oh yeah, for sure. For okay, sure. Cal- sunny California. I mean, who was there in your corner when 
the you know the pit got announced and you know who were you said were you live were you there or were you at home i was in new york there you, okay yeah so it who was, was there with you it was me my roommates from college um and my parents and my yeah my sister mm. and then my coach my coach my um aau coach was there oh, okay. yeah did your mother scream i'm rich <laughs> 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 you know, who, who shouted out with that man it was a, it was a it was a good embrace between all of us man right. what yeah. what when you get that first check, what is the first thing that you take care of? I got a car. Yeah. Smart. Yeah. You didn't have, you didn't have one before? <laughs> I had, uh, I got a better car. Was it, did you get some luxury or did you just take it easy? Like, no, I got a uh, S550. Oh, okay. You yeah, jumped right in there. Yeah, yeah. You jumped out there. Yeah. All the bells were Yeah. It was clean. Now, um, you know, job secured, you're doing well for yourself. You know, what is what is the life like at this point? You know, what are you thinking? Like, what are your aspirations as far as you build a career when you're in San Francisco? Like my rookie year? Yeah. <laughs> uh, life is fun, man. Life is I'm I'm living, man. I'm just I'm just enjoying it. Like I, I, it's for me to see, sit here and say, like, I had a plan of doing something else. It was literally. No, because you know, you know, you t- you have a lot of athletes. They'll say, you know, well, I was going to do this, and I planned to do this, and like, but you coming from Missouri, uh, you, it's like, and now you have access to so much wealth, you know, different things that you could get into that you couldn't get into when you were a kid. Now it's just right there in front of you. Like, how did you keep from? Did you go off the deep end? Did you have to reel yourself back in? Like, did you were you able to kind of sustain? What was that like? So. Um, as far as like, cause I kind of like how, like the money changed a lot. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, it gave me, um, obviously access to different things. Um, but I think if anything, I was more in that party mode where I was, I was just trying to enjoy life and then produce, you know, I was still, all my friends were still in college. I left school early. You know, I yeah, was, exactly. I, I was uh, 20 when I left and turned 21, like as I was, uh, entering the league. And so. My rookie year, you know, I'm I'm sneaking out of the uh, team hotel like during training camp, <laughs> I my drinks trying, now. trying to hang out, you know. <laughs> and so um, that took a little bit of adjustment. Uh, who's handling your money at this time? I mean, do you have an accountant? Are you doing everything yourself? Is your parents handling your money? It's handled. It's handled in a good way. Um, okay. Yeah, somebody. So you, I trust. Somebody's, somebody yeah, you somebody trust. I trust. Okay, yep. there you go. And I'm just curious because you came into a, a a fraternity to where the Joe Montanas. The Jerry Rice, the Steve Youngs, those names are, you know, I'm sure you see it plastered all over the walls in the city. The city just uh, hopes on that. Who was, who was, the, I'm going to ask this, who was the oldest player on the team at the time? If you remember. I don't remember. Uh, I, I want to say Justin, but I know he wasn't the oldest. <laughs> yeah. don't, say, don't, 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 don't be wrong. <laughs> don't be wrong because he'll, he'll uh, correct you. <laughs> Who are some players? Long snapper. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Who are some of the team members that embraced you? Like you know, kind of took you under their wing and kind of gave you that mentorship. Um, I don't really want to say anybody like specifically because honestly, everybody did. They had. They played. They part in how they tried to you know put their arms around me and 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 guide me in a direction. But if I'm the best player on the team. 
it's gonna be a little bit different on how you're trying to guide me. You know what nah, I mean? Right. Nah, for real. Right. It's gonna go on one how, does, how, does, how does that work when you're the, the you're the one of the youngest people, but you also you the dog in there? Like, do you immediately become the leader? Do, do people just fall behind you now, or how does that work? So, <laughs> well, because I mean, I've always been um, somebody that you know has a good head on their shoulders, but as far as being a leader. That's something that, you know, I didn't want to be just because I was living a wild life. You know what I mean? Like I, I was, I, I had fun. You say wild, see, there's, there's levels of wild. If you was on a scale of, on a scale of one to 10, you know, 10 being something off of, uh, what's the movie with, uh, with, with, uh, Hangover, Leonardo DiCaprio and the Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, one being, you know, driving Miss Daisy, where would you place your wildlife? Uh, man, no, because I'm going to say this, man, like, Oh, he must I'm put a, up numbers like Will. I'm a black man in America. Yeah, they, oh, he put and up numbers on, like Will. I moved, I'm a black man in America. I know because I moved around like I didn't have no this this pigment to my color. Oh, okay. Oh, so okay. I, I was I was yeah, I, I okay. was having fun. You having too much fun? I was having fun. Wait, wait, wait. Hey, let me ask you this. Wait, wait. The, the, the scrutiny that black athletes get in the NFL, do you feel that is warranted or unjust? I feel like you got to look at where it's coming from. You know, like, why is that even a conversation that needs to be had between the athlete and the public anyway? That's real. That's real. So you're 21, and I just have to ask, were you living like a star or were you living like a rock star? I like to think <laughs> I like to think that I, I was living a, a modest life, a, okay. a luxurious, modest life. Right. Yeah. So did you ever have to like put someone in their place at early on in your career? Like, you know who I am? Right. You know who I play? Like, someone might not have known and, you know, someone someone might not have known. No, that's not my, that's not my style. And okay, there you I, go. I, I, I will say this, man, like, I was drafted in the Bay Area and I get, and I've always gotten so much love from the Bay Area. And I always, you know, pride myself on being approachable and being somebody that like, I'm a man of the people. So, I talk to anybody from the, the the garbage man or the man running a Fortune 500 company. Like I, we all talk the same, and so with that, like I've always just tried to stay grounded. You know what I mean? Did the city try to provide any fringe benefits to you for being Alden Smith on the 49ers? Uh, you know, number seven draft pick. Did they provide any like you know? Here's you know you get to eat free here. Oh shit! Um, you get to eat free here. You get to um, you know here's a car. Uh, you know, because you're now going to be something in the city to where people want to attach themselves to you. Uh, did that happen often early on? Um, the city's always showed me love, man. Like, you know, it's not like one thing specifically, like some free stuff. It's always just been love. And I mean that by like, I've always been able to move around without having to like watch my back and always been taken care of and uh, just get in, and get support when I need it too from random, random people. <laughs> Did like you know how you know how players go? You get in the you know start going to eat at spots, and they say, "Hey, oh, Alden Smith, we're gonna name the this food after you." Did you get anything named after you? The Alden Smith number seven? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Alden Smith sandwich. Mona Lisa off Columbus. <laughs> oh, uh, shout out to Mona Lisa off Columbus. Oh, hey, it's called the Alden Smith rigatoni, and okay. it's fire. Is I would say, is it good? Is it's, it good? It's good. It's good. Do they still sell it to this day? Yes. Now, okay. now you gotta walk me through when you took a girl on a date and was like, "Yeah, let me get that. Let me get that Alden." <laughs> 
Now she'll have, we'll have two, we'll have two Aldens, please. <laughs> I don't even even do it. It'll be the, the, the waiter. The, the waiter just gonna bring it to you. Know, you know. Wait, did, did that, is that something that you liked that they named after you, or that's something that they just said, "Hey, we're gonna just name a dish after you"? So me and the owner um, are good friends, and. I used to, it's authentic Italian. And so mm. I was used to Olive Garden, you know what I'm saying? So like, I'm trying to make up my own little thing and tell him this is what I want. And so yeah. he ended up helping me out with it. And then it came out really good. So it wasn't on the menu before, but he was open to new suggestions. Now, now keep it real. Did the ego inflate just a little bit after you win defensive rookie of the year? Did it get worse? Like, oh, nigga. <laughs> so, no. And I don't think I've ever really had an ego. Like, I've always battled with, uh, well, I battled for a long time with, you know, liking who I was and, and, and self-esteem issues. So, if anything, like, I didn't get the, uh, I think it's the AP rookie of the year. I got, like, the other one. Um, and, I mean, people who watch the season, they know what it was. But, you know, it's always been a little bit of, you know, I I, I want like to. I, I want to talk about that because you talk about self esteem and um, I feel like that's an important subject because a lot of people you they will see the success and the money and the things you have, but there are internal stuff going on that nobody knows about. Uh, what are some things that you struggle as far as self esteem that you know you had to overcome, like when you were looking inside yourself in retrospect? Um, and I had to overcome myself. Yeah. Um, I had to overcome, and by that I mean like the inner conversation, um, you know, that didn't change up until later on in my life. And um, being in positions where people see you as something and they see you as this and you you, you don't feel like that, that's, that's tough. And so struggling, trying to navigate how to handle that in, in, in different ways, um, that, that was a big part of my life up to this point. So I got to get your mindset because to go into six games and get your first sack in the sixth game, correct? Yes. And go on to like 15. What, what is in the mindset as a defensive end? Like what, what's, what is, what's in the mindset as a killer to see you and that quarterback and like what I'm going to do to this man when I touch him? Um, see, for me personally, everybody says like the quarterback – I be thinking about the big, the big yeah, motherfucker. The, the big like, big. Like, like, like there's a big dude right here I got to get past. So I'm thinking about, I'm about to hurt him. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, but like that, going into that game, I was so mad because I, I wasn't playing, you know? I wasn't playing. And so when I got in that game, I was just, you know, trying to do whatever. Now, does it take a certain, do you have to have a killer instinct when you're going into the, because when you're playing defense, it's like, like, I'm, do you really feel like I'm, you're looking at a dude like I'm really about to do something to him? Or is it like, this is just a game. It's not that serious. Or it's like, what is that? What is that mentality like? Me personally, like, I don't see nobody. So like, it, it, it don't matter. I'm not, unless I know you, unless I got a reason to have a problem with you. I don't, that, I don't care about none of that. Like I got a job to do, you know? Now in, in 2011, uh, Colin Ka Kaepernick also got drafted to San Francisco 49ers. And uh, we all know about the – he got down on the knee and, and started kneeling. Um, you weren't on the team when this happened, but just you being a black player, right, they put a lot of pressure on y'all in general when the kneeling happened. 
Um, what was your take on that whole the whole kneeling thing when it happened? Like, did you feel compelled, like you had to kneel because everybody else was kneeling, or did you feel like, hey, I got to get my money? Well, I wasn't in the league, so I wasn't kneeling at all because um, I was at home. Mm. <laughs> but um, how I felt about any any of that, and how I feel is, um, I don't have any opinion about it. I think if anything, what Colin was trying to do and what he did was bring attention to something um, and attention is needed to go to things that have faults in it, you know? And so whether if it's kneeling, whether if it's boycotting, whatever it is, if there's injustice that's consistent and it's not being taken care of, then whatever you got to do to bring attention to it is necessary. What are your thoughts just in general on athletes using their platforms to speak on social issues in general? Right. You see you see uh, King James do it. You see, you know, Michael Jordan didn't do it. Some people kill him for that. What do you particularly, you know, because women definitely, you know, I, think, I know like some women like they 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 really want to see, you know, our black men really stand up for some shit. You know what I'm saying? I think it would be. Um, I think reporters want me to ask different questions because they could get those. They could get that conversation anytime from anybody if they ask the right questions. And I think that more men and organizations and, and should be more supportive and people just need to come together in general. Um, I think it's wild how much attention is paid to when somebody says something and speaks up for themselves and, and how it just is under such a microscope. So I have to ask then, um, you know, and we'll get, of course, to there, but, you know, with the Dallas Cowboys, uh, Jerry Jones made sure everyone kneeled uh, in one uh, in one game. And then they, he was criticized after that wasn't a thing like the next game. Like, it's like it, it, they moved past it too quickly. With that kneeling and the, just everyone in the NFL, and, you know, it's just, it was it was an NFL thing. But some folks were like, I'm with kneeling, I'm, with, I'm not kneeling and things like that. Do you feel like the NFL, because it, it is technically a job, that they have power to say what can and should be done if they choose, if they feel it's appropriate or not appropriate. Do I feel like they have that power? Yes, to tell players or let's say employees what to do or what's not, what not to do, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. So how I feel is, you know, unless we are restricted, you can do whatever you want to do. Yeah. You, 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 that's what I'm you know what I'm saying like what I'm saying is like at any given point like them dudes don't have to play so I mean we can have a whole different conversation about like what could really be done to really make a change you know if they really want to do it but that seems not to be the case amen what is the most annoying question you were asked by a reporter like that you got asked consistently I, I'm gonna say something about what I was kind of just saying real quick my bad and I was just I say that because, like, what is a protest for? What is it for? To show that you care about something and then you're going to go home a week later or however long you're protesting for? And what is kneeling for? Y'all still going to play the game? They still going to get the tickets? So what are we doing it for? Like, it, it, movements need to have an end goal that achieves something and not Correct. brings attention to something. Correct. Because eventually you'll stand up. <laughs> and play the game. You got to say, like, why are we, like you said, so was there a communication within players of why are we kneeling? Like, what? what's the end goal? 
Did you know if there was a communication as far as here's the change we're going to have? We're not going to, we're not, like you said, we're still going to play the game. We're not going to stop kneeling until this happens. Was that ever a particular conversation that was going on? So he started kneeling, I think, in 2015 or so. I don't know when it was. And I was gone out of the league until 2020. Right. Twenty, whenever this, yeah, twenty one or twenty, two thousand twenty. Right. So I didn't, I don't know what the conversations were like. So, but when you came back, did you feel any of the residuals from that, or was it kind of gone um, by it that was time? Definitely different. Um, yeah. You know, I think you saw a lot of everybody just doing what they felt comfortable with. Right. It was awkward because it was it was a COVID season, and so you be in an empty stadium and you got, you know, no no crowd and you got you know everybody doing anything. <clears throat> How do you like Dallas when you was <laughs> how was Dallas? I, I like Dallas, man. I do like Dallas. I, I never I never been to Dallas before. Uh, I played out here. That's crazy. Uh, I, well, I played basketball at um Duncanville a couple yeah. times, but I never been to Dallas. What, what was your favorite thing? See, we we here in Dallas, we like to hear people brag about where this place because we like it here so much. We what, what what was your favorite thing about Dallas? I'll tell you, one of my favorite things was uh this place that closed last year called Cookie Haven. Um, it was in like uh, Bishop Arts. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was Shout like out a, Bishop Arts. A, um, black women owned business and they had oh, like yeah. a bakery. Oh, and uh, yeah, yeah. I used to, when I was, I was living in Frisco when I played for the Cowboys. So I would drive all the way down here just to get that. Oh, yeah. Shout out to yeah. Star. Yeah. Now I ain't gonna lie, uh, Lamar Odom came to Dallas to play and he wanted to kill himself. Uh, he, I don't know what it's about Dallas, but it's something about Dallas that just made them say, "I'm this place is up." Was it the summertime? It was during the yeah, season. It was during the season. I moved here in June. Well, Mike, he brought the Kardashians. He brought you know his his wife with him. So you know he said, oh, "I'm gonna be in June." Yeah, tell us about that. Was you ready for that Dallas weather? No, no, no. I honestly thought um, I was being punished, like all of us were being punished, because it was it was wild. Like that. How that, hard is it to train in that? I think when you're running and got objectives, it's different. Like, but I was telling myself, like, you know, because I, I I didn't play. Um, I don't know if I would have played this year because it was hot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> did you ever see there, there was that uh, black athlete? He was in a uh, he was in the cold and he was just super cold. He was like, "It's cold hell, bro. It's cold." Like he was like super cold, but it was like a meme that went around or whatever. How did you adjust to playing in the cold? So I lived in Iowa. Like I'm, I like the cold. Oh, I man. like the cold. Really? Yeah. <laughs> this humidity out here? Nah. Oh man. Nah. <laughs> so you know, you play a couple years with the 49ers. What What was the reason, from your vantage point, that you end up leaving the 49ers? Um, man, 49ers. I was with them for a while, and I had my share of issues off the field, and um, you know, it came down to last issue and we had a you know split ways yeah for, for for athletes right you know like you said y'all are young men coming out of college coming into money what type of mentorship should the nfl provide to help these athletes along the way you know what i mean because i would imagine it's hard for any person with that kind of success and money to kind of stay up straight and narrow you yeah know man so like the leadership that I, that I i provide the leadership that i plan on doing you know my company um and that's having somebody who the players can relate to, you know, that's going to keep it. I'm not just going to say keep it real. That's going to give you the game. And that has been through it, you know, like 
So you got to have somebody who's really experienced it, achieved, achieved things at a high level. You know, it's different when you hear somebody who played, but you know, you don't really know who that is. But we need, I needed, you know, um, to have somebody to look at that I could be like, you know, I, I know what they went through and they're telling me to do this and not do this. So just guidance, overall, real guidance. So Dallas, or let's just say Mesquite, Texas, rather, had a, a player that went over to the 49ers. Uh, shout out to Terrell Brown. He was uh, definitely a great quarterback for the 49ers in his career. Um, when you got to the 49ers, was there your – did you have a favorite player that you just were in awe of prior to your assignment to the league? Um, th- that I played with in, in San yeah, Francisco? That you, yeah, that you. Uh, in San Francisco? Yes. Yeah, uh, Randy Moss. <laughs> so, uh, how, how was that to meet the man, the myth, the legend, man. and watch him do what he do in practice and on the field? His locker was right next to mine, man. Are you serious? Yeah, not. How was that, like, bro? You gonna put me next to Randy? No, no. But, but um, I don't know. That was that was a that was wild, man. That was, what, was right next to you, like yeah, right next. So to did me. y'all have a relationship, you and uh, Randy? I did, man. Like we do, and um, me and Randy, like. Randy has been supportive, was always supportive. And I actually trained with Randy while I was playing. And um, man, that's one way to get in shape. Cause, so Randy will, ask, well, we'll ask you this. And Randy will watch this. Where do you place him in the all-time grace of wide receivers? Randy Moss? Yes. Where do you place him? I mean, come on. All right. Number all right. one, man. All right. All right. Just, make, just making sure. Just making sure. Yeah. All right. Well, who, was the one, who was the one player when you was like, Messing up, they would pull you aside and be like, "Come on, little bro, you gotta." <laughs> <laughs> like my rookie year, everybody, everybody, uh, man, yeah. Like I, I remember, um, we had practice one day, and you know, play starts, and I was playing a whole different position, and I remember just freezing. And they showed it on film, and everybody's running routes, and I'm just, you know, yeah. Show you what kind of freezing? You mean you didn't move? I didn't move. The play starts and you don't move. Got a lot going on. Oh, man. that's a, oh, I, where's that film at? <laughs> show me, show me that footage. That day, they all pulled me aside, told the coaches to leave, and we, and we, they <laughs> so had we a real conversation. Yeah, we, we had so, what could you talk about the rookie hazing like that was going on? Did any they did they put you through some anything crazy? Walk? Did you, did you walk for cheesecake anywhere? No, no. I mean, I bought everybody like iPads and some other stuff, okay. you know, like things they can use. But, you know, if they, they, we had a pool that was on the way to the cafeteria here. And so they used to just throw people in the pool. But I mean, I was smart. You know, I'm just going to jump in. I'm not, you know, yeah. yeah. Wait, they, they do rookies like make you pay a $100,000 tab or something? They, Without question. Without question. Uh, uh, we would, nah, that wouldn't be no, that's not a thing. You got it. <laughs> you got it. All right. So, Ada, let's do this like this, man. Um, You know, uh, we see Stephen A. Smith. We see uh, Skip Bayless. We see ESPN Sports Center um, all the way up to the commissioner where, um, you know, they talk about the troubles that you exist, that exist off the field. And, um, we want to use this opportunity to be able to tell, you know, your story because it's like in the media, the media controls the narrative. And if you say, Hey, there's a DUI and that's all they hear. And Oh my God, he should know what he's doing. He should know what he's playing for. He should never drink a beer. What the hell's wrong with him? And why would he, 
there's so many stories that they love to just create hot topics on. And therefore, sometimes hot topics could turn into a snowball effect to where it affects on-field performance, other issues, and things of that nature. Tell us as far as even for you, uh, some of those off-field situations that you might have come across. Uh, of course, again, anybody could Google some of the things, but I want you to speak on some of the things that have been said about scenarios that you have been faced with and it, things you have to deal with that have technically what they're saying. There's They say their truth, there's your, there's your truth, there's their truth, and there's the truth. But I want you to be able to speak on your truth as far as some of those things that might have been said that you was like, these are, are not saying it's totally incorrect, but there's perspective. I'm going to say this, that I'm not really with the whole three truths. There's okay. one truth. There you go. You know, and that's the facts that happen. And the more we can get back to that, that better we're going to do as a society. But as far as like me, um, I, didn't, I haven't lived a perfect life and I'm a human being first off. And um, I don't, I'm not shying away from anything. You know, I made mistakes, um, but I have a good heart. People that know me know that. And um, as far as like how those people, their opinions, everything, I'll say this real quick. Like everything affects everything. And me, it's not like I wasn't aware of the things that were going on. Um, but, you know, and we can talk about it, you know, like, yeah, yeah. you know, like go I, I struggle with, I struggle with drinking. So I started drinking, um, when I was in college. And so I hadn't drank before that in college, you know, you get used to party drinking. So it's, it ain't no like drink or two. It's like, you know, what's your drink? What's your, what, what drink were you leaning on? Like what, what type of alcohol were you leaning towards? I, I mean, it was just get fucked up. You know what I mean? Oh, that's like, the mentality. Like yeah. whatever. Mixed yeah. drinks. You, you're achieving a goal. Oh, right. <laughs> you yeah. Know what I'm saying? So you will mix like alcohols, tequila, vodka, brandy, rum. I mean, this is college. I'm drinking okay, vodka. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, Porter, yeah, yeah, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> let's go. 12, 12, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, but um, I drank, you know, in college um, and then it was just normal. Um, but once I got into the pros, I drank. And my, my, like my drinking style didn't really change until, um, I say like 2015. Um, but you know, I had gotten into some things before that, um, because of drinking and, um, like overall, I didn't know the reason I was drinking, you know, I would, I would talk to therapists and, and, you know, why are you drinking? Why are you drinking? I'm like, you know, cause I want to have fun, you know, not knowing that's a, that's that, like, a reason you know, there. I got anxiety, I got depression, I got, I got all these other things that are really, really, I'm trying to hide. And so, um, you know, if you don't know the reason why you're doing it, nobody can tell you to stop, you know, and you're not going to see a problem. And so, um, yeah. I used to struggle with alcoholism not too long ago. Um, because you say, I used to drink because I wanted to have fun. Then it became uh, nothing was fun if I didn't drink. Like everything, nothing had color as I used to describe it to people. So it's like, like you, you get caught up in that and it's like, and if you have the means to do it, you just do it because you want to have fun. I work hard. I deserve what I've worked for. So I should be able to enjoy myself. Yeah. So me, um, I looked at, like I didn't know this really at the time, but like, I was interacting with the world as a threat. You know, I'm seeing everything as a threat. And so with that, I got to arm myself every time I go anywhere and do anything. Yeah. You know, so if it involves other people, I got to do whatever it takes for me to be that. 
or if it involves going here, I got to do whatever it takes for me to be that. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to say about people talking, you mentioned Stephen A. And I'll never forget, um, there was a situation actually that happened in San Francisco when I got released. Um, I remember him saying on the news, you know, this, this young brother needs to go to prison and, and, and all this other stuff. And Dang. I'll never forget, I remember being like, you realize we the same color. You realize what the prison system does. does? And then you have no idea on the factuality of what you're talking about. And come to find out, you know, all those charges were dropped. Um, so it's just, you know, when you hear things like that and that message is getting broadcasted, it, it, it has this effect on you. So, so what message would you have for Stephen A if you was to be able to talk to him one-on-one about that situation? My message ain't necessarily to Stephen A. It's just anybody with a platform. Right. Don't forget that all because, you know, you got to make a decision. You can choose to use your voice. Or you can choose to just talk. Yeah. That's real. Oh, yeah. That's real. Now, I, I got a question. Like, wh- while you were, you know, like you said, having fun and partying and drinking, do you feel like because you were an athlete and they let it go, did it, did it feel like it enabled you to keep going? Or did you feel like if, they, if you would have got punished earlier, maybe you would have changed? Do you think there would have been any different course of Deviation? action? Um, I think everything happened like it should have, man. You know, I, I, I I honestly am blessed that I did go through the things that I went through. Um, and I know that sounds kind of weird to say, but like to be able to like come out on the, on like imagine climbing like Mount Everest, man. Like, you know, like you, one, you, this is like something that is difficult as hell. So like my life started out difficult, you know what I mean? And then like you go through something, you experience something like I struggle with, Addiction, you know, alcohol was my thing. And that, not only that, like I had a lot of other things that were underneath that, that were messing with me, you know, that were, that were yeah. running, running my show. And so getting through that and then coming out on the other side is like, you know, not only did I see that mountain, I started on the mountain, like I went through it and now I'm good. You know, like I made it. So let's touch it like this then, because you said, you know, again, you were 21 getting into this and you were partying in college. You were, you know, you have drinks. They say, and I don't want to say demons and things like that, but they say whenever you get money, it just makes those things uh, amplified and excess. So for you to go to college where technically, you know, you, there's no real money in college, you know, you're trying to get to the career of NFL and you get there, did it amplify the problems that would probably cause those things to go left in your career? Did those things get amplified? Um, I mean, you don't got to have money to drink. Cause now you can buy any drink, and you can buy. As a matter of fact, let's buy the whole club a drink. Let's everyone drink with me. Right. You could do that now. But that's less for me. That's real. That's real alcoholism. He said. He said no. <laughs> More but, for me. Um, if, if anything, you know, when you have money, um, you're obviously able to just magnify whatever you wanted to. You're able to just have more fun. Yeah. Do I think it makes it easier to do? Um, yeah, but. But I mean, I don't know. Like, mm, yeah. That's right. So let me ask you: well, at what point did you do you feel like you conquered it? Was it during playing football or after football? That I conquered it. That, yeah, where you? Yeah. I, so I I don't necessarily think like I've conquered anything like that. I I just think the way that the whole way I interact with life is different. You know what I mean? Like, if I don't feel like I have to become somebody else and walk out anywhere, then that 
takes away a lot of stuff that I, you know, have to do. So. So I have a question that I'm going to ask, but before I even ask the question, I'm going to say the name and I just want your thoughts. The first thing that comes to your mind when I say the name, but uh, Roger Goodell, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Um, NFL owner. Okay. No, so, ask a better question. <laughs> ask a more detailed question. All right, so, here, so here's a question I was going to ask. So if Roger Goodell implements a situation where all NFL players have three strikes, that means whatever rules they set, you have three times to mess up and automatically you're out the league. Automatically. That means whatever we set in place, whether whatever it is, you mess, you do this, then three times you're out. There's no talking. It's just, it is what it is. Should that be in place or should it be case by case? Whatever route it goes, there needs to be something in place that can put people in positions to be successful. You know, if it is a three strike, then let's make sure that the brothers that are part of that fraternity are doing, that are part of each club are doing everything possible to make sure that that doesn't happen. Roger Goodell's job is to protect the brand. Again, you're dealing with so many players, again, that like if a situation keeps on producing itself, should it be a limitation on? But we keep blaming Roger Goodell. No, because he's he's. It's us. We That's got true. the money. Let's look at us. Yeah, right. Yeah, we the people in the locker room. Right. So we got to talk to each other like brothers and like we trying to accomplish something as a whole instead of we don't know each other mm. and like yeah cool we don't know each other but people that don't know each other all the time get together to make money and make change. Wait, so you're saying something here because you're touching on something. So NFL teams. 50, what, 51 players, 52 players? On a, this ain't on a, just the NFL, though, man. This no. is life. No, hold on. because this, this is like we always want to blame somebody who is in power and control when we got the power ourselves. Every single one of us can get together, put something together to make something bigger for somebody else. Right. And we can get that, and they can get together and make something bigger for somebody else until we got our own shit. Right. We can't keep – they not supposed to change. Right. Why are you expecting something from somebody that ain't going to do it? Like, so the perception is this, and this is my perception. I don't know if it's anybody else's, but I'll speak on my thought is that NFL team, they're all brothers. They're all camaraderie. They're all warriors going out there to win. And I believe that they're all, they all know each other. They all talk to each other outside of football. They're all, they, they might know each other's names, wives, kids. Are you saying that there's a disconnect between players that I don't really know the kicker? I don't talk to the kicker. I don't know the quarterback like that. The wide receiver or the defensive end or the, the offense doesn't talk to the defense on a regular day. So is there is, is the NFL teams, are they not is there not a is there a situation where we don't speak to each other outside of pulling up, doing our job and going home? Yeah, but I don't think that that's necessarily done intentionally. It's, right. it's, it's just what it is. You know, you got your groups, you know, right. you have your defensive group, you have your linebackers, you have your, you know, like your special teams group. So just by schedule you're not going to really interact with people as much. It's crazy because, you know, you look at this, you look at these movies, right? Because my perception is if you're on a football team, y'all all know each other. Y'all, y'all after the game, y'all go to the house. like, But it's like, y'all are really kind of just coworkers. And you come, you clock in, you come, like you say, you come to do a job and then you go home. Uh, it's like, uh, does that help for the, 
to win games? Like, does that does that get the best performance out of us if we don't even know each other or even like each other? Well, that's when you can tell, like, coaching and leadership and organization. That's when that comes into play. Because right. you got to look at it like this. What it really is is you got a bunch of free agents on one team. You got a bunch of guys. They, they didn't. Everybody didn't go to the same school. They didn't. They ain't from the same hometown. They just all on the same team. And there's so much transactions every day with guys getting cut, guys coming in like. It's just a business, you know what I mean, where it's happening. It's really about maintaining a culture and consistency that, you know, you try to have as little as drop off as possible. Yeah. Now, you you actually said you touched on something earlier about saying you actually have a company that's dedicated to helping. Um, explain what that company is and what, what you're saying that it's going to do. Um, it's called it's IM and that stands for Intelligent Movement. And the thought behind that is, you know, the more right things you can do, the better off you'll be in life. And so, you know, just making intelligent decisions, ways you interact with life, just doing it intelligently, because everything we do is movement from our breath to how we everything. Um, But what I want to do is not what what I'm doing is going around and speaking to athletes um, and basically giving them the game. And, you know, that that saying, if I knew um, now or if I knew then what I know now, you know, where I would be. And so it's giving, giving these guys the game. And, you know, if it's something that they struggle with that maybe they don't feel comfortable talking to somebody about or just, you know, just guidance on where to go. Um, because a lot of people, you know, their parents don't know, their agents don't know. The people that they have known that got them to this point can't give them some of the insights that I can give them. And so helping them do that would save them a lot of trouble when they get into the league. And then on the other side is guys leaving out, you know, when you leave out, leaving out is harder than, you know, the transition in. And um, it's tough because, you know, you, most people are in organized sports or in that organized environment for 20 plus years, 20, you know, 20, 30 years. And that's every day, you knowing what you got to do. And then one day is done. And so, just making that transition in a way and, and providing a service that people will use. That's my main thing. I want, I want you said, cause I want to talk about that mentality. Like it's also, it's almost like, like you military or even being institutionalized every day. This is happening at this time. This happened at this time. This happened at this time. And then when you come, you come out and you're like, it's a new type of freedom and you kind of don't know what to do with yourself. How did you handle that? And um, I had to create my own schedule. Um, and luckily, I had things that I needed to work on, you know, and that's uh, a lot of things to better myself. Um, and then things that I've just wanted to do and, and finish up, you know, like right now, I'm finishing up my um, sociology and psychology degree. Oh, congrats. For um, appreciate it. And, um, just things that I, I wanted to work on. So if, in a way, you know, for the for the first part is, you know, if you have things that you wanted to take care of, do accomplish, then it's, it works out well for you. All right. So let's go ahead and you know, discuss it and talk about it. Um, You know, the going into your second year, you were stabbed twice. What was that situation? And, you know, what what happened? Oh, so um, I had a I had a party and I had had a couple of parties up until that point. Um, but roommates had a party 
Um, they threw this party. And um, at the party, some altercation goes down. And at this time, I was actually getting my basement remodeled and was getting some stuff done. And so the altercation happened in the basement. And this is your house. This is your home, correct? This is my home. Okay. Yeah. And um, altercation happens and I'm, you know, walking the person out and kind of, you know, hey, y'all need to get out of here. And um, it's a group of people in the, in the driveway and they started uh, firing, firing at me. And that turned into another one thing turned to another. And long story short, I'm trying to break up a, a scuffle right. and I ended up getting hit. And so, um, you know, when you I say hit, hit as in punched or you mean like poked. Like poked. Stabbed. Yeah. So someone had a weapon on them. They poke you. And then, I mean, like, what's, what's going through your mind? Like hospital? Like, I, I never been stabbed. So I, I don't know. what that um, To be honest, man, like. I was blessed to not relief. like the adrenaline was pumping, you know, mm. so I, I mean. If anybody that was there, they can attest to this. After I got stabbed, I was still walking around trying to make sure other people were safe, you know, because that's just the type of person I am. Like, I'm, I'm oh, a protector. Definitely. Definitely. That's good to know. Um, so did that start? Because, again, you know, the some of the legal troubles that you dealt with was, you know, having, you know, the, the weapons charges. Did that start from that as far as let me start protecting myself? What what made you feel like if you do need to protect yourself, I do need to have weapons on my which you're allowed to have weapons. You know, let's not say that like that's wrong. But did something in you say I need to protect myself in regards to just, you know, my wealth, my well-being and just my life in general? Um, nothing specifically, you know, I, I actually, um, had guns like before that even happened. And the reason, cause they said that the guns were illegal or importing illegal firearms. Like I moved to California from Arizona and Arizona, the gun laws are way different, <laughs> way different. And so, you know, moving to California, you can only have a 15 magazine for assault rifles and a 10 magazine for handguns. And so I think I had a 15 for handguns and a 30 for Assault. And so just little things I didn't know, you know, bullet button. But the way it got told to the public, anytime you hear important illegal firearms, you think That's, it's yeah. somebody in a trunk, like, you know, in a parking lot, you know. Some, yeah, some some Terminator type some, weapon, some, you know, is you know, and so Walter White. You. That's kind of when I noticed the narrative change on how they were, were reporting things that I I did. Oh, um, and that, it was that, within that time as far as weapon charges is when they start saying he, this must be his life. Well, I think I I think I I got called a thug. Thug throws the house party, and I I, I just oh, got wow. called all kinds wow. of stuff. And you know, at that time, I'm like nobody really even knows what happened. You know what I mean? Right. Like, You're trying to protect someone. Yeah. In this scenario, we're not up here just going nuts. Like this ain't supposed to happen. So what what do you do in that scenario when it's like it, it doesn't even make any sense to really tell your side of the story? You know what I mean? It's like you want to defend yourself, but it, nobody's hearing you. Like how do you get past that? Who do you lean on? Um, I mean, you don't really get past it until you get an opportunity to really, if, if it's necessary to kind of like, you know, go out of your way to explain it. Right. Um, so it was just one of them things I had to tuck because the ball kept rolling, you know what I mean? So how important is it when, you know, we see a lot of NFL players or just anybody, you know, that get in legal trouble that they want to speak or there's dad dash cam footage or body cam footage of them talking how important is it for a player to shut the hell up and let an attorney or someone else talk for him? Um, well, first off, let's try to avoid the situation at all costs. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, that's, that's, that's the main thing. Cause 
I can't really tell nobody what to say. And when you're in that situation of that moment, you're not listening or thinking about no advice. But does it sometimes, or if anything, always backfire when the the player is speaking for himself versus a legal team? Um, it depends what the what depends who it is. Um, I think there's this idea that players can't speak, like we don't have intelligence and like we don't have a head on our shoulders. And I think like some obvious things for people to look at, like they made guys have to go to school a long time ago. And like with that, you have to maintain a GPA. So this stigma of football players or athletes being dumb jocks is, is burnt out. And the only person that's really losing is the people that are walking into situations thinking that. So outside of being dumb, let's just talk toughness. Um, We seen Shannon Sharp go at the Grizzlies. Who's tougher, a football player or NBA player? Um, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> no, no, I can't tell you. Who's yeah, because I'm looking at Shannon Sharp like, hey man, yeah, you could take that. You could take out the whole arena, like them, them shoulders. You like you take out the whole arena. I, I think <laughs> for anybody to look at somebody and judge what you think they can do is a fool. It's a, it's a, it's a misstep. Yeah. <laughs> it's a full misstep. So for for you, you know, like just the analyzation of football, right? You got all these reporters reporting on the game that never played it. Do you respect it in any form or fashion, or do you just like to just doing her job? Um, as far as I feel about reporters and that is like I said a little bit earlier, like you got a job to do. And for however long they've been writing sports, they've been asking the same questions. So yeah. everybody else is being forced to shoot the three farther back and, and right. run a faster 40 and, and bench more reps. Come up with some better content. Come up with some better questions because y'all need to have to upgrade just like everybody else. Right. Because really, what are you doing? Yeah, and then when you start seeing these shows like The Pivot and, you know, um, you know, you're starting to see the athletes themselves create better platforms than what they have out. How long do you think that even can last like that? Um, like, what do you mean? Like, what? like you just see, like, you know, the athletes are creating better content, better, you know, questions and things like that. Now you're starting to see athletes go to those platforms versus, you know, doing ESPN interviews. How long before you just see that just completely take over? I think either the bigger, the larger platforms adjust or people just keep doing whatever they feel like they need to do to get their voice out. Yeah. Now, you came and played for America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, Super Bowl contenders. How was that to come onto Jerry's team? What was the atmosphere? What was the expectation? Um, Because, again, you're part of a fraternity that goes back, you know, to Tom Landry and things of that nature. And again, I love the 49ers, but you know, we're, we're, we're in Dallas right now. And in the nineties, the 49ers were the enemy. How was that to come over to the Dallas Cowboys and play for this team? Um, so I, I have been out of the league for five years. So, um, I met, um, Mike or coach McCarthy, um, in the summer, like in LA, and so, you know, we, we talked and, and met each other. And so uh, when I got to time for people to kind of just choose where I was going to go, um, going with Dallas, it was, it was fine. But um, I didn't know. <laughs> Switch this shit up, man. Hey, as far as when I got here, um, I was here to ball, you know, like straight up. Like it was. I've never cared where I was, where I played at. Like I, I, I'm, 
it's, it's between me and the person, it doesn't matter where it is. You know, um, all the theatrics and all the other stuff, like I didn't care about, I don't care about none of that. I don't care about none of that. I don't care about the stadium. I don't care about the uniform. I don't care about none of that. Like, how do you, but how do you, you know, taking five years off and coming back, was it an easy adjustment? Did you snap right back into it or was it really like a, um, a curve, a learning curve again? I think I was, I was, um, I mean, I snapped back into it. Was I my old self? No. Um, I had lost love for the game, passion for the game years. You know, if anything, I came back because, you know, shit, I was broke. You know what I mean? Like how to make some money. And I made my grandma a promise and she had passed like in 2019. And so like it was kind of one of them things where, you know, you know, and I'm not even thinking like five years off is a long time. I'm just like, you know, I still got it. You know, I can still do it right now. Um, Man, when you see like a T.O. who looks like he's still in shape, like do you think they can still jump back in it? He looks like he's still running routes. He looks good like out there running routes. Do you think they can still come back and compete? hit. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> until 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 week you run all the routes fourteen until week fourteen because that's the thing. Like, yeah, anybody can go out there and play. Not anybody, but those guys who look good and they're still running routes on air. Um, like, you can still go out there, but you play ten weeks or you know play tw- twelve weeks. It's gonna be. Uh, Should Tom Brady come back for another season? Oh uh, sure. But until, until he gets hit <laughs> in week 10, yeah. then it doesn't matter. What age do you think the body is like physically that you should be like, this ain't it no more? Like, well, how much do you think the body can take it? What age? Like, that's everybody's different. Okay. Everybody's different. I mean, I was about, yeah, I was going to be like, if you're 50, but like, you know, you never know. Right. Cause yeah. you know, I just think I think Bernard Hopkins was boxing when he was like fifty three or something like that. He was wrong for that though. What's that? I said he was wrong for that. <laughs> I mean, because he gonna get. I mean, it's, go watch Bernard Hopkins at fifty three, yeah. losing. <laughs> go, go watch that. But you're right. It's your choice. It's your body. What is the general average life of a football NFL player? Like what is like was it five years, nine years? Um, the average football the career. Football career. Yes, I'm sorry. I think it's three years. Three years. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Wait, so someone coming in, let's say 24, 27 is his the prime. You're and saying then, like like how long like, is his career like, last? Yeah, career last. Three years? Three, I, I think three years is I was like not expecting average. that answer. What's that? I was not expecting oh, that answer. Yeah, no, it because you gotta think of everything that comes into play. Like one, you might not be good enough. Um, you might get hurt. They might not need you, your position. And there's a lot of there's a lot of people that play. You know, there's a lot of traffic. Hey, I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta ask you this since you are you play for both teams 49 and the Cowboys who do you got this Sunday and who do you got for your Super Bowl prediction uh, I honestly um, I hope it's a good game yeah, and that's close. like that's like just straight up like cause I, I don't both teams were, were great to me and um, you know I got because friends on both Dallas teams. versus Tampa Bay wasn't a good game no I was like it's 31 to zero with with three minutes left in the third quarter. I'm about to go home. <laughs> like, but the Niners done. are going to win. Yeah. Wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. What? <laughs> hey, okay. Let, what? Who's your Super Bowl? Who's your Super Bowl prediction? 
I like the Bills. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Is, yeah. Do you do you feel they're moving off of uh? And I want you your thoughts on Demar Hamlin, as far as a man getting hit, uh, seeing him have cardiac arrest on the field, which to, the world has not, the world doesn't see that like at all. And then what the what that does for a team mentally? Um, about as far as Demar. Demar, yes. Um, man, so. Unfortunately, when I was with the Cowboys, we had a, um, a staff member that passed in front of us um, from the same, like, the, and it happened in the same way where he kind of, he fell out. And so it was just kind of wild when I had seen that again um, in the game. And I was watching a soccer game and it happened to like a dude from Denmark or something. Oh. And I was kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm, why am thing. I saying all these? You know? Right, this is a thing. <laughs> but um, to, like, it's, it's, once again, we're all human beings. Is it because he's a football player? It's not supposed to happen. You know what I mean? Like it's, football it's, is a gladiator sport. Well, it's not. I'm just saying. I think whatever cardiac arrest happens to anybody, right? Yes. Then he's a human being. You know, I'm just glad that should they have stopped the game or again because, like Skip Bayless said, a lot of things were riding on this game. This outcome of this game would change a lot of things in the sports and NFL. What are your thoughts as far as stopping an NFL game because of this one situation and the outcome of, let's say, the playoffs may change based on stopping this game? Do you hear what you just said? I just heard it. It's a man dead. No, 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 no. It's a man who's possibly not going to make it, and we talking about whether to stop a game or not? So here's – all right, so let's let's rephrase it then. The ambulance car comes in. No one knows the situation. They're trying to resuscitate him. They, of course, take him off the field. Should the game, let's say not even continue that day, but be re- rescheduled to another another day to see the outcome of this particular game to decide what will happen? It doesn't have to be that day. But this changes a lot of things based on what may happen going forward. Should they have replayed the game? or Because this is we're in new territory. And this might judge things that may go forward. To where it's like, okay, is it because it, maybe an injury where you don't know if a, a man has a concussion, should we stop the game? Uh, but again, I know life, loss of life is totally different because mm-hmm. that changes a lot of things. But again, should they have replayed the game on, on a different venue on a different date to understand what the outcome of the season would be? Um, yeah, I think that would be fair, right? Um, yeah. I. I don't really, you know. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. Because I, 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 I keep, yeah. I keep wondering how long just the sport of NFL can go on with the concussions and the the brutal hits we're starting to see. You know, like you said, it, it's it's human life we're looking at, and then when you really think about the game itself, it's just a violent sport. So, how long do you think that we can really play this game the way that we're playing it? And you have people starting to take note, like, man, we're humans. At the end of the day, this is kind of wild. Like, I know, but like. <laughs> Like, yeah, it's supposed to be that. Yeah. Like, where do we, like, we, we changed as this, this culture where somebody getting thrown and because it doesn't look a certain way, then it's a problem and it needs to change. But, like, I mean, it's what it's supposed to be. And it's really not that tough and physical. I mean, it's, we're all, we're all ready for it. You know what right. I mean? It's, it's people that are saying it's tough and physical. That's why your ass ain't doing it. Damn. So it's like a defensive end. You can't touch a quarterback like you could back in the day. 
do you is that is that for the better men of the game or for you know the lesser of the game? Would you say that you can't get as physical as you could with a quarterback now that you could in the past? Um, is it for the lesser of the game? Yeah, because it used to be like, hey, take him out. I think uh, it definitely changes it up. You know, when you got somebody back there who's scared and worried about getting hit, it changes it up. All right, I, I need you to throw the ball, throw interception. Yeah. Yeah, be scared that I'm coming because I hit you just to play a go. Yeah, it's it, just like you, you know, if you got, you know, if you're going to talk as much trash as you want, if you got a huge security in no. front of you, right? Right, you know, right, 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 right. You got one security guard, yeah. you got a crowd oh, yeah. of people, you're going to watch how you talk to people. No, no. <laughs> it, it is so bad to where we're about to have a Pro Bowl game where they're going to play flag football. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I'm gonna be real, man. The Pro Bowl is kind of like it's became like it used to be serious, but like Like, really in the '90s it was serious. What you expect football players to do on the field for like an All Star game? No, I know, but no, I know, but like the NBA, it used to be. be, Listen, I'm a little older, so it used to be serious. But to say it's gotten down to flag football, what the hell are we doing? Like, what what, were you watching? wide receivers catch balls? I mean, I'm like, like well, this is where we at. But with that being said, I got to ask you, um, an Alden Smith 30 for 30, How does what does that look like? What story does that tell? And, you know, what what message does it bring home? Um, I would hope that when everybody hears more about my story, gets to know me more, that they are able to see, like, I have a little bit of, you know, we have things in common and um, my successes, my struggles, um, my wins, my losses, everything has uh, made me a better person and, and has gotten me to where I am today. And that's somebody who's, you know, grateful for life and so happy and blessed to be able to give what I've learned to others and in a way where they can actually use it. And so I'm, I'm excited, man. 30 for 30 will be um, they're not gonna be able to make just one. You got yeah, just one. Yeah, it's gonna yeah, be you gotta a, make, a, doc, yeah. a docuseries. If you did have a docuseries, who would you have play you? Like what actor? Shannon Sharp. Yeah, you uh, could. Yeah, Shannon. <laughs> Shannon. Uh, <laughs> Young Michael B. <laughs> Young Michael no, B. Would, Jordan. I would probably have um, what's um, I can't think of the dude's name. The man. dude who's about to play Blake. The dude who. <laughs> Did you say Blade? Yeah, the guy who's about to play a uh, uh, heart, heart shallow, shallow, I forget his name. I forget his name, but that'll be nice. Um, but uh, it was a dude from um, Bird, Bird, Black, Bird Box. Bird oh, Box, yeah. The black dude. Oh, yeah, no. Talented actor. Talented. Yeah, I can't think of his name. Talented actor, yes. Um, no, shout out him. Yeah. Um, do you want to be able to speak on um, this, the current the DUI case as of right now? Uh, what that situation was. Uh, I know you pleaded not guilty, and of course you're going through the situation right now. Do you want to speak to that at, at, at all in regards to that situation? Um, yeah, I'll say this. Um, you know, I was going through a lot of a lot of struggles, um, and I had an incident that occurred. And um, if anything, you know, that incident changed my life because you know I haven't drank anything since, that's and real. I feel like no, that that's was real. a turning point because. You know, like, to be honest, like I had already, you know, to some people I had lost my career, thrown it down the drain and everything. But that was literally the birth of me, you know, like really like my purpose, you know, seeing like, like what, why I'm here. And so like, uh, it's unfortunate that the incident happened, 
Um, and, and by no way am I thinking like, I'm not saying I'm thankful for it like that, but the lesson that I've learned, the growth that has happened from that and, you know, my, my sobriety, my life, just like, man, like, like y'all have to talk to me. Cause like, like I've been through some shit, like for real, yeah. like for real, for real. Yeah. And like, when I say that, like, man, like <laughs> shit that like you wouldn't expect, like not knowing no football, not on no black man shit, like a human being who's been on some, been through his share yeah. and like wants to be able to help other people not have to go through that same thing because people don't usually make it through the shit I've been no, through. No, yeah. This is and normally, it's only getting harder out here and the help is only getting more fake and hard to find. Yeah, there's, so, normally, there's normally a, a cell or, or, or a tombstone that has that story. And again, you're here, you're fighting through it. Um, do you have any will or anything in you to ever want to play in the NFL game again? Is Does that still exist in you? No. Okay. No. And that's not because I don't, like, I don't have a problem with the NFL. Right. Like, I watch it, you know, it's just my, the reason I play, you know, I play because I love the game. I play because I, I was playing for my brothers and, and like the culture that we had in San Francisco. And once that changed, you know, I was done. Yeah. So, so we got hit with a trailer, you know, um, it was, is it, was it promoting the, your agency that you have to help the youth? That's what it was for. Yeah. Once again, can you plug that before we get out of here? Um, if, if anybody is listening to this and they want to tap in with you, how would they go about doing it? So you can catch me on Instagram. Um, it's at Alden Smith. I'm in the process of getting my website finished up. Um, and that's just www.aldensmith.com. Um, and I'm going to post that video um, on there so that it's uh, available to the public. Um, but yeah, uh, there's a lot of good things coming and stay tuned. I appreciate, you know, everybody, uh, for having me on here and yeah, thank you, man. Hey man, you know, Hey, can I say one thing though too? Yeah, go please. Um, there's, cause there's this, like, there was a domestic violence thing that happened, like that's in my thing. And so like people kind of like, look at that, like that never happened. And when they say like, if you really look at the the details, right? Um, I was I got convicted of um, um, I think it was vandalism, and so that's like breaking a door handle, right. and right. so I never put my hands on any woman. I right. never have. I have sisters. I was raised by all women. My mom has four sisters. I that's not me, and right. yeah, I just want to clear that up because there's nothing worse than you having it, people look up and see that, and right. it's like no, we see the incident. A recent interview with Andre Risen where he talked about left eye burning his house. Um, you know, let's go through Ray Carruth, uh, you know, Aaron, Aaron Hernandez. Um, there's a lot of troubled past of NFL players. And when they when that domestic violence thing, the domestic violence comes up, man, there's so much gray area. But the media runs with the fact that you're an NFL player. They look at the size and stature of you and say a woman, even you talking with a strong voice could be intimidating these are real people going through real things. And, you know, in that scenario, like you said, you got convicted of vandalism, not actually doing any real domestic violence. But of course they look at you as an NFL player or, uh, you know, you're, you're the size and stature of an NFL player for those that, for any case that may come before, what, what do you say to people that prejudge a scenario without knowing all the facts? Once again, I'm not going to put it in the people because the people have to be given guidance by the people telling the story. So the people who are writing the stories 
tell the whole story. And there's a way that you can still get your ratings up by telling the truth. Just learn how to do your job better. Get more creative. Actually do work. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. There was something I was going to say, but I forgot what I was going to say. Um, hey, man, brother. We want to thank you so much for coming on here and uh, just being very transparent, uh, telling us your truth. Hey, man, you're a star, a legend, man. Uh, and I know that whatever you go forward to do next is going to be bigger than what you've already done in the past, brother. We just want to salute everything you're doing. And here's the best part. Alden Smith, you are a real life street star. Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. And when the Cowboys win, I need Alden Smith to tweet, real life street stars was right. <laughs> Cowboys, number one. Yeah. When, when Cowboys lose by three, what you gonna do? I will tweet, Alden Smith was right. <laughs> And we realized Street Stars was wrong as fuck. And we don't have a Twitter. <laughs> I don't either. Shout out to Street Stars, nigga. Moolah. Hey. <laughs>